a un primero de mayo. <risa> Hello and welcome to the The Sam D Podcast. I am your host, Sam Duzame Jr. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube at The Sam D. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up thesamd.com. Follow along with the podcast on social media at The Sam D Podcast. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash May 1st Music. Are the Lakers going to be in the playing tournament? It's crazy, right? A couple of injuries to their top two players, and all of a sudden they've come tumbling down the standings to, as I'm recording this, the four seed. Lake show as a four seed. Not sure what's up with Braun. AD still out. How far can they plummet down the standings? And if you're a top-tier team in the West, how shook are you? (laughs) How shook are you? Because let's say, I mean, they're four now. So if the playoffs started today, they would play their Nuggets, right? Four or five, Nuggets, Lakers. I'll be pissed if I was the Nuggets, but it is what it is. You tricked off too many games early in the season. But let's say they trickle down a little bit. They're the sixth seed. Clippers, Lakers, first round? That's dangerous, right? Like, even for the Lakers, you have to consider that to be dangerous because even though I don't have a lot of faith in the old English font, they're at least a formidable opponent, right? Lakers, Clippers, first round. Dangerous. That's a dangerous matchup. What if they get to seven? Suns, Lakers, 2-7. But then again, if the Lakers are the seven, then that means they're in the playing. <laughs> oh, man. But that was a little interesting. Sometimes I just like to look at the standings and play the what if, play stuff out. And that's something last night. And um, I know everyone's doing trade deadline stuff or whatever. And I mean, look, I know this is not that type of pod, but uh, my phone's been blowing up more about Joe Budden <laughs> than the trade deadline. It's been real quiet. Like, I checked in with some people, and yeah, it's quiet, bro. There's nothing, because, I mean, who's the target? Oh, by the way, if you want to hear me talk about the whole Joe Budden stuff, and I was on the Not That Serious podcast, shout, shout out to them. Uh, look them up, search for them. They're available on all, all podcasting platforms, Not That Serious, the podcast. Uh, we chopped it up for a good, good little bit about the podcast industry and things like that, so shout out to them. Oh, yeah, I... I called Joe Budden the um, Christopher Columbus of podcasting and explained why if, if you need like a little nugget of of why to listen but uh yeah so but yeah the trade deadline who's the name you're looking for everyone wants everyone <laughs> that's the whole the trade every year it's the same speculations the same rumors it's the same alleged sources we hear this team is interested in this player well yeah if you're a playoff team, yes, every playoff team imaginable is interested in Andre Drummond. Like, yes, okay, we get it. Even shit, if I was the Sixers or the Bucks or whoever, I would also be interested in Andre Drummond. If he's available for the low, why wouldn't you be interested in getting Andre Drummond? Now even the Knicks are interested in Andre Drummond. Like, that's going to matter. So, 
I mean, come on. If you go on my uh, social media, everything on social media is at the Sam D T H E E S A M D uh, on Instagram. Put up a little clip, and that might be the bonus content y'all got. I have not forgotten the bonus content from last week. I will put that up. I am day four in the Indianapolis bubble, so a lot of moving parts right now. But anyway, so yeah, it was on my boy Greg Larner's show yesterday, and he was mentioning to me the Knicks potentially being in on Victor Oladipo and so on and so forth, and I went on a rant, and I threw that up on Instagram. So if you're into Instagram and get into anti-Knicks stuff like I know y'all are because y'all rock with me, then go check that out on my Instagram feed. So, But yeah, every team is in on everyone. Who's going to be the big name? Andre Drummond, Bradley Beal, Cal Lowry, Lonzo Ball, all the usual suspects. You know, Lowry's been bantied about damn near his whole career in trade rumors. Lonzo has been traded, has been rumored in being being traded damn near his whole career. Andre Drummond, because of that contract, he's always been bantied about. In trade talk. So it's really just the usual in Oladipo. I mean, come on. I told you about Oladipo last year, how he was going to be on the move and that his contract is up and he doesn't want to resign anywhere because he wants to be a true free agent because, hello, he hasn't been his whole career. So all of this is just the same old shit and they're going to try to pump this up into being something. I really think the only player that can be a championship winning move or championship winning acquisition is Lonzo. And as much as you want to shit on Lonzo, as much as you want to criticize Lonzo, as much as you want to chastise him for being such a high pick and not living up to the lofty expectations that were expected of him, he's still become a solid, if not above average basketball player in the league. You bring his defense, his fast break running skills, and just his fundamental facilitating point guard skills to a contending team. And there's a lot of contending teams that need a point guard. I mean, if you're the Bucks, you say no to Lonzo? You really want to ride with DiFincenzo? I mean, Lonzo and Drew have played together and have played well together. If you're the Bucks, you really say no to Lonzo? If you're the Sixers, I mean, you really don't want Lonzo? You really want to go out here with Seth Curry and whatever's left of Danny Green? Y'all saw how that played out last year. Danny Green had hot runs with the Lake Show last year as well in the regular season and got the fans hyped up only to be the enigma that he was throughout the playoffs last year. So he's doing the same thing again, where he's cold, he's hot, he's cold, he's hot, he gets hot, he makes you believe, and you're starting to believe in him. And then the playoffs come, and then here come the one for sevens and the one for eights and a two for tens. Then you're wondering, well, where the hell was the guy from March? Because that's Danny Green. So if you have a chance to go get Lonzo, I think you'd go do that. Personally, if you could put out a lineup, now hear me out. If you're Philly, remember how the Warriors had that lineup of death thing that they thought they were just going to terrorize people with for decades and it really only turned out to be like two years? Where it was what? It was uh Clay, Steph, who doesn't really he doesn't really matter in the lineup, but let's just Steph, Clay, Iguodala, Draymond, KD. So let's let's run that down again. That five. Steph, Clay, Iguodala, 
Draymond, KD. Now, theoretically, everyone could play defense, except Steph, obviously. Everyone could play defense. Everyone could switch off the ball. And everyone is tall enough to be able to handle if they get squished onto a big. Right? So keep that in mind. Walk with me. So if you're the Sixers, if you get Lonzo and you're able to keep Tybal, walk with me with this lineup. Obviously, assuming Embiid is back. You could still throw Seth out there. I wouldn't. Y'all know how I'm a big shake guy. Oh, hell, do you want to go Danny Green? He's bigger. Pause. All right, fuck it. Let's, let's get Seth out of there. Put him back on the bench like he's been everywhere else in his career. Only in Philly has he ever been thought of as a starter. So let's go Lonzo, Danny Green, Tybal, Ben, Embiid. Now, I know you're thinking, where the hell is scoring coming from besides Embiid? But if Ben is Ben, which he has shown more of a propensity to be Ben, the Ben that we thought he was going to be, more so this year than ever before, Lonzo has been hitting threes and has been way more aggressive, way more than any other point in his career. Yeah, I know how I feel about Danny Green. We'll move that aside. But in terms of strapping dudes up, locking in, tapping in on that defense, that's a lineup of death. So if you're Philly, do you experiment with bringing in Lonzo? And if you're Doc and you have that wherewithal, more so, if you're Sam Cassell, let let me talk to the real coach of the Sixers, Sam Cassell. If you're Sam Cassell, do you want to throw that potential lineup of death out there? That's all defense, theoretically. Lonzo, Danny Green, Tybal, Ben, Joel. If you want to go get Danny Green out of there and go Toby, I'm not mad at that. I don't know where Toby is on defense necessarily. I haven't seen anything this year that makes it stand out that he's that much more improved. He's average, maybe slightly above average if you really want to you know, go crazy on it. But if you're talking about upper echelon defenders all being on the court at the same time with the ability to switch, the Sixers potentially could have a lineup of death. If... They go for Alonzo. They do it up with Cal Lowry. It's not a lineup of death. You can't do that. He's too small and too heavy and too old. But, you know, he's from Philly. I get it. You know, whatever. But if you're trying to get a chip, if you're going to go through Brooklyn or have to face Brooklyn at some point, or let's keep it a buck, even Milwaukee, because Milwaukee's hot. Remember, Milwaukee was kind of struggling, middling, trying to figure it out. They were hovering around the 4-5 seed for the longest. Even I think they touched the 6 seed at one point. That might have been real early in the season. But the Bucks now are the 2 seed. The Bucks now have the 3rd or 4th best record in the whole league. Quietly, stealthily, they've creeped back up to where they were expected to be in the standings. So with all that being said, who's going to go get Lonzo? Because Lonzo, to me, is that type of player where if you're one piece away or if you're one point guard away... He can make a difference. If you're the Clippers and you're potentially looking at a 3-6-2-7 matchup with the Lake Show in the first round, hell yeah, I need Lonzo. I'm not trying to go in there with that Pat Bev shit. I am not trying to do that Pat Bev shit in the playoffs against the Lakers of all teams. Nope. Give me a real point guard that can actually set up Kawhi and set up Pandemic P and put them in decent positions. He could do stuff on pick and rolls with Serge. He could do stuff even with pick and roll with Batum. Lonzo is a factor. I know people don't want to listen to it. I know people don't want to hear that because he was drafted so high in Magic and the Lake Show and LeVar and all of that. But Lonzo is a good player. He's a difference maker. 
is he a star? No. But is he a difference maker? Is he one of those upper echelon role players or a bona fide starter? Yes. In keeping with the conversation of point guards. So there was a, I guess, an alleged tweet that went viral. And y'all know I'm not really here to um, aggregate other people's tweets that went viral, but I was asked. So I will indulge when the rare times I'll indulge. But so the narrative of Kyrie versus AI became a thing. And there's apparently some people walking this earth, breathing this air, watching basketball that are under the impression that Kyrie Irving is better than Allen Iverson. And (laughs) that's, that's when I know I'm getting old because I, I have always strived to be not the old guy that just loves players from his era over anybody else. I have fought against that guy my entire life. When I was young, trying to learn the game of basketball and understand you know, analyzing of it and trying to learn about older players and how they would fare in this and that era, that in time, which was the 90s. Like, I would try to fight against people that would tell me Dr. J is better than anything. Just because I saw him, I saw him in his prime. Jordan's not better than Dr. J. Like, there are people who will tell you that Dr. J is better than Jordan. Just like there are people that will tell you Bill Russell is better than all of them. And Wilt and Big O. And the now late, great Elgin Baylor. And we will get to him later in the pod. But AI versus Kyrie. I mean, I'm going to AI. But here's what what I'm... When you're analyzing this stuff, when you just see a tweet like that, and someone's saying, pick AI or Kyrie. What does Kyrie do better than Allen Iverson? Let's try to break this down in terms of skill set for skill set. So ball handling. The easy answer or the simple answer is probably Kyrie just because he dribbles so much. Right. But effective handles. Handles aren't always about who can go between the legs the most or behind the back the most or whatever the case may be is who uses the dribble most effectively to get where they want to get to. And I'm sorry, I got to go Iverson. I got to go AI there. As much as Kyrie has more and one level handles, I'm still going Iverson. That crossover, which we all knew was coming, which we all kind of knew was a carry. It's still effective. He shook Jordan. He shook AD twice, made him fall on the same play. Like he shook, he shook GP. I mean, he, he shook anyone who was a above average, if not elite defender. He shook them all with that same move. They all knew it was coming, but he, when he hit them with it, they fell anyway. That's when you know handles are elite. Kyrie, it's a, it's a, different, it's a different combination of dribbles. It's between the legs, it's hezzies, it's behind the back. It's feints. It's all of that type of stuff where it's the combination of dribbles that gets him by people, right? So, I mean, and that's, I mean, we know who his godfather is, right? Like, we don't need to, all right, if you don't know, Rod Strickland, like, we don't need to get into why Kyrie is the way that he is with handles because, I mean, hello, look who he was around. 
So ball handling, I'm going AI. Shooting. Now here's where optics would clearly favor Kyrie. And initially, I'd want to agree. Kyrie, especially over the last couple of years, early in their careers, the numbers are strikingly similar. But over the last couple of years, Kyrie is a better shooter than Allen Iverson. No one, no one can really push back on that. Again, I said shooter, didn't say scorer. We're going to get to that. Defense. You got to go Iverson. I mean, I don't know how many times I'll look this up here on the fly, but I know Iverson definitely led the league in steals a few times. Let's see. How many times? 11-time All-Star. Three-time steal champ. So he led the league in steals three times, right? And this is a guy that, you know, he's listed at six feet, but, I mean, son is, he's 5'10", 5'11", dog, like, to be able to be the the Steelers champ, does Kyrie have any type of defensive? Uh, nope, doesn't have any type of. Now again, steals are a aren't the greatest metric of steals because you could just play the passing lane, especially if you're a guard. You could just play the passing lanes and try to get steals that way. You can you know on double teams against a big, you're crashing the paint getting your hand in there, swiping the ball away. So you could get some real cheap, easy steals. But Iverson led the league in that three times. So, I mean, it's a little different than just, oh, you get a couple steals a game just off that. It was like, nah, he's a, he's a factor in doing that. He made that a specialty of his to get steals, to be able to rip people because it was so quick. And to give it a real, he was so low to the ground because he's small. So he was able to get down there, get low, get rips. Like, that's what he did. So, defense, they're both liabilities in terms of post stuff or can they stop people one-on-one, things of that nature. They both could not do that. But, what little defensive metrics AI did have is better than Kyrie. So, handles AI, shooting Kyrie, defense, AI. I know running an offense is one of my things here that I talk about a lot especially when it comes to point guard play. It's one of the positions that I talk about a lot because I played point. So for me, knowing how to play point really mattered to me. I really wanted to know what it is to run an offense, to orchestrate plays and things of that nature. So I judge point guards really tough, right? So Kyrie is not a point guard. He's a scoring guard that plays point guard. And this year is probably one of the best examples of it. As you see the beard walk in there and become the real point guard. And now the Nets are unstoppable on offense because they have an actual point guard. When Kyrie was orchestrating the offense, they could still get buckets, but it wasn't an easy flow. It was more, okay, Katie, it's your turn. Okay, now it's my turn. Or if Katie's out here, James, it's your turn. Okay, now it's my turn. Now... AI wasn't really a point guard. So neither one of them were point guards, right? Neither one of them were real facilitators. I will say this, though. For the talent that Kyrie has had around him, take away those first couple of years when he was, you know, when the Cavs were terrible. He's had LeBron, Kevin Love. He went to Boston. He had Tatum and Brown. And now... He has KD and James Harden. 
And this man has, well, theoretically, he's cracked seven assists once. Once. With all that talent. I just named you Hall of Famers. Kevin Love's debatable, but, you know, resume speaking, his resume is up there, especially now that he has rings. So, LeBron, Kevin Love, Tatum and Brown, KD, the beard. And he's only cracked seven assists once in his career, right? So, Iverson, I mean, until he got to, (laughs) until he got to Denver, he didn't really play with any Hall of Famers. I know Matumbo's a Hall of Famer, but I mean, we really know. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah, Saxa, but I mean, come on. So, even if you want to add in Matumbo, who's a Hall of Famers AI played with? Matumbo? And then who? Mellow for a hot minute? And he cracked eight assists a couple times, if you round up. Kyrie played with about four or five Hall of Famers only cracked seven assists once. AI cracked eight assists twice, if you round up. Only played with a couple Hall of Famers. So, yeah. In terms of facilitating, it's a stretch, but give me AI. Now, scoring. This is probably the most hotly debated part of it, right? They both could get buckets, but, I mean, dog, you understand... What it is to be a four-time scoring champ. Kind of, sort of, in the era of Jordan. Like, he got his first one right after Jordan left. He dropped 30-plus three times to lead the league. Like, being a four-time scoring champ, including three times over 30. And this is in the 90s and early 2000s. So, again, the defense was still a thing. It's not like now where Bradley Beal can get you 30. This is AI getting 30 when you could throw him to the ground. When you could thug him up. It's a little different. Getting 30 then, and I'm not trying to sound like the old guy, but it's just the rule changes are what they are. You can't deny the rule changes. 30 then is harder than 30 now. There's no other way really around it. Finishing ability. And this to me is like a little bonus thing. Because to me, right now, I mean, if you're keeping track of it, I think AI is better than Kyrie, right? But even if you want to go to the things that are the two toughest things to judge these two on, I think it's scoring, which we just did, and finishing. I think Kyrie is a Hall of Fame finisher with elite handles, and shot making, like his shot making, the way that he's able to finish at the cup, the array of layups. And again, that goes to Godfather Rod. Like if you watched Rod play, that was his game. Little dude, crazy handles, able to finish at the rim against anybody, big or small. That was Rod. Now that's being transferred to Kyrie, basically. But Iverson, his finishing and... I hate to make it about athleticism, but his finishing was dunking on dudes. And that's always going to win to me. (laughs) That's always, that's always going to win to me. If you're 5'10", 5'11", and you're able to get up and yam it, if you're able to turn it over on someone, 
I don't care what you do with them pretty little layups, dog. Like, them pretty little layups are cool. You could jelly fam somebody to death. But it ain't nothing like turning it over on someone. Like, if you've never had the feeling of dunking the basketball, if you've never experienced that, even if you had to shorten the rim to do so, like I know some of y'all probably had to do, it's a different feeling to yam it than it is to just have a nice pretty layup. Nice pretty little reverse layup. Cool, that's fine. But just the sheer ferocity of going up and someone going up to challenge you and you being able to turn it over on them. I mean, bruh. Yeah. Finishing. Give me AI. Give me the guy who can dunk. Then the guy who can do all the little pretty layups that most of the time will get blocked against real shot blockers. So that was for y'all. I had no intentions of touching that. I really could not understand why that tweet went viral. But it's, it apparently became a thing. I just hope at some point we just stop buying into that type of stuff. But I wanted to give y'all one because I normally avoid that stuff like ridiculously. So there you go. Did you hear a rumor about the new NBA uh, media contracts, the TV contracts? So the NFL got what I said on the last podcast, 100, right? Over 100. The NBA is in the mix, allegedly, and this is all alleged, $75 billion. So the NFL got a, over $100 billion in their latest TV media contract. NBA following right up, allegedly, in line to get $75 billion. Ain't that a little too little? It's a little too little to me. I mean, look, it would be triple what they're getting now. I think the current TV contract is like $24, 25000000 million. So they're tripling up. So I'm not mad at that. But I mean, if the NFL is getting 100, I mean, look, we've talked about which sport is really popular. We've talked about what sport really translates in streams and social media. You telling me they still got to bow down to the NFL? Like for what? Like amongst people that I know, Basketball is king. Y'all can give me the old tired narrative, which is probably a trash narrative. I don't know if I'm going to add that to season two. But the whole narrative of NFL being king is just kind of from a monetary standpoint in terms of like the ownership, in terms of the values of the teams because of the stadiums, because of the real estate. I don't really know if that translates to TV ratings, especially now that everything is beginning to move to streaming. And the NBA was kind of ahead of the game when it comes to streaming. So if that's the play, how are they going to get $25 billion less than the NFL? Who has clearly learned, oh, we really got to invest in streaming. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Yeah, dog. It's here. People are on. I mean, I've been rocking Red Zone on my laptop for years. I ain't paying direct TV and any of these motherfuckers nothing. So, yeah. League pass, all that type of stuff like that's that's where it's been going. It's just hard for me to believe that that the NBA can get closer than that. They could get closer to 100. I don't know if they get 100. Because the money's there. I mean, the money's there. And they can expand again and get more money. They can go put another team in Seattle. 
They could go to another team. They could probably put another team in Vegas or move a team to Vegas. They could really balance this thing out and even expand. And that's always been rumored with the NBA that more teams are coming. So like 75 billion, that seems like they're taking another short. Don't be like the NFL players union. Don't take that short. Don't get locked into this because it's only going to get more. This isn't like the stock market where it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. Crypto, all of that shit. NFTs, ETFs, all that stuff. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. These rights, these broadcast rights, these live rights, these streaming rights are only going to go up. Interesting. How the NBA allegedly. It's very early in the process. But there was a couple of reports floating out there. $75 billion. Keep eye on that. And speaking of money. Daniel Snyder, Washington football team. He is in negotiations to buy out the minority owners who own a 40% stake in the Washington football team. So that would give him 100% ownership of the team. So Snyder, who came under fire for sexual harassment and just overseeing a culture of sexual misconduct and harassment, specifically towards women employees and cheerleaders and the like, now gets to buy out the minority owners who were pressuring him to sell the team because of those allegations. That's another thing that's been swept under the rug. Like the name thing happened. The minority owner spoke up and said, nah, dog, you got to change that. You got to change that team name, dog. It's time. It's 2020. It's a pandemic. Social awareness is at an all-time high. You need to change that name. And so he finally bowed down to the pressure because he wanted to hang on to the one thing that keeps his existence, which is being the owner of the Washington football team. So he has that. Then the sexual allegations and the sexual harassment and the culture of inhabiting such in the organization pops off, makes national headlines for a couple days. (laughs) I mean, it's some sad shit. And then the minority owners come out again. Yo, dog, you need to fix this or you need to sell your stake. Snyder denies personal involvement, quasi-copped a plea to being the overseer of the environment and promises to do better. And then everything just kind of went away. And I mentioned a couple pods ago about how Bezos is hovering and Bezos wants to buy in on the team. And we all know he's got the bread to do it. Now, all of a sudden the minority owners are selling their stake to Snyder. Something ain't right. Something ain't right there. Something's fishy. Either the minority owners weren't really as mad as they claimed to be when the whole name thing happened, when the whole sexual harassment, sexual uh, misconduct workplace environment happened, or even when Bezos has been flirting with the whole team. Did they just do that to drive up their price? Because if they really wanted, they could have got Snyder out of there. If they really wanted, if they really wanted to make a stink, in regards to the name change, because remember, no names have been announced. And it's because Snyder can't own any of the good names. <laughs> People went on and trademarked and copyrighted 
all the good team names, all the good potential team names. So he's still searching. You notice it's still WFT. They're still WFT. I don't see that going away anytime soon. So he doesn't have that. He came under fire for sexual harassment and inhabiting a workplace that was overrun with sexual misconduct and sexual harassment all the way down to the cheerleaders. And he still gets to skate and he still gets to cash out and still own the team. So he's going to buy the 40% back, get 100%, and then who knows what he's going to do with the team next. Like, I don't know what he's going to do with 100% ownership unless, ooh, it's the play. And I'm thinking it's all on the fly here. Is the play to own 100% so he can get 100% of whatever Bezos is going to pay? Because you know Bezos, he'll overpay. He's like Balmer. The Clippers weren't really worth $2 billion when Donald Sterling sold the Clippers, but Balmer had it. He just had the, he had the two billion. Like, all right, dog, what you want? Two bill? Two bill, you'll go away? All right, let me get that. Two bill. Here it is. Overpaid. Is Snyder doing this so he can tell Bezos how much, bruh? How much? How many billions? I mean, Washington, you got to assume shit. I would guess, let's do this on the fly here. What's the worth of the Washington football team? Ooh, three and a half billion. Three and a half billion as of right now. This is what? Forbes? No, CNBC. The team is worth 3.5 billion, according to Forbes. Mm. I mean, if Bezos walks in with five and tells Snyder, go away, I mean, that's a hell of an investment. Because you have to figure if it's 3.5 billion now, Let's say you get a normal group to buy the team. That might give you $4 billion, right? If he only, if he only owns 60%, <sighs> quick math, that's 24. So that would be $2.4 billion out of four, whereas you get 100% of five. <laughs> so 2.4, still got to pay taxes on that. Yeah, it, mm, Snyder, wow. If he gets to skate, skate on the sexual allegations, harassment charges, skate on the fact that he really did not want to change the name of the team because he's a lifelong fan and you know how fandom is a mental illness. He might be doing this just so when Bezos does buy it, he gets all of it. Interesting. We really need to pay attention to what's going on in Washington. If Lamar Jackson becomes a free agent, I said, is he going to get fitty? But if he's able to make Sammy Watkins look like what Sammy Watkins was supposed to be all them years ago, I would ask for 60. Because <laughs> that's the latest rumors that are coming down that the Ravens and Sammy Watkins are close on a deal. Like you can't tell me after last season, seeing how there was no weapons whatsoever. I mean, Mark Andrews, and that's about it. Uh, what, Hollywood Brown? I mean, come on, dog. Like, there's no weapons for Lamar, and the answer is Sammy Watkins? Is that it? Is is that all we're doing? Some Sammy Watkins. That That's the best the Ravens front office can do? I mean, Ozzie Newsom's not that far removed where he can come back through if they need it. Like, Ozzie can pull back up 
and kind of fix things up if they need to. Like he could do it from the crib. Like you can you can zoom Ozzie Newsom in. I'm sure someone could teach him how to do zoom. Now, I know he's up there in age, but I'm sure he can hold it down. I mean, somebody got to get Lamar some help. I mean, somebody need to be able to draft a receiver and and do do some things dynamically with this quarterback. I mean, you have this quarterback as I've always talked about, and it's going to be a thing on season two of Trash Narratives where. I don't understand how you have a QB that's so dynamic that can run and pass and you can feel whatever you want to feel about his passing ability. But until he has qualified, legitimate targets, I'm not going to shit on his passing ability. When he has elite passing talent to throw to and then he's missing them and then he's inaccurate, then we can have the conversation. But as long as you're telling me he's throwing to the Hollywood Browns of the world, then the less needs of the world. And all these types of dudes and an old ass Des throw the X up like, nah, bro, I'm not going to sit here and co-sign that Lamar can't throw. He's never had elite talent at that position from Louisville to now the NFL. So, nah, I'm not going to trash his throwing ability until he's been given the pieces and then he tricks it off. So when are the Ravens going to surround this man with some real help? You have him on a rookie deal. You have him already with an MVP in the tuck. He's soon going to want his money, him and Josh Allen. And Josh Allen's a perfect example. He was erratic. He looked horrible. He looked bad. And guess what the Bills did? They went out there and gave him Stefan Diggs. Now what? Oh, Josh Allen's a young, great emerging QB. Yeah, word, because he has elite talent to throw to. Funny how that works when a quarterback has a good receiver to throw to. Oh, wow. The passing game looks a lot better. (laughs) What a novel concept. Yes. Give your quarterback elite talent. Yes. Maximize your quarterback on a rookie deal with elite talent. The Ravens are refusing to do so because Sammy Watkins is no goddamn Stefan Diggs. Elgin Baylor passed away and. Again, I mentioned earlier about me trying to learn the game and learn about the players before me when I was younger just to kind of get an understanding for who played this game before, how great were they, would they stand a test of time, so on and so forth. So Elgin Baylor is one of those dudes where, and you've heard a lot about it this week, and I mean, some of it is a little hard to listen to because there's just some people you just know didn't really pay attention to Elgin Baylor as a player. They just looking at his basketball reference page or looking at some memorial thing the Lakers do and then just running off of that. But his actual skill set was literally 40 to 50 years ahead of his time. Like before Dr. J, before Big O, there was Elgin. Like Elgin was cooking dudes in black and white, in black and white TVs, like, and cooking them in a way that you see dudes cooking today. Like, D Wade's game, you can make a lot of parallels because you've heard a lot of parallels of you could draw the line from Elgin to Dr. J to Jordan to LeBron, or you want to mix Kobe in there, whatever. But for me, guard play, explosive guard play, if you look at what D Wade was able to do, and again, D. Wade did it as someone that was like 6'3". It's not like he was 6'5", 6'6". He was doing that 6'3". And you could say he's arguably the third greatest shooting guard of all time. You could argue it. 
But I see a lot of Elgin Baylor when I went back all them years ago and watched him to what we saw from D Wade, even as far back as Marquette into what he did in the league. To me, that's the parallel. The hang time, the taking the contact, the being able to shoot off either foot. Algin Baylor low key had a Euro before it was called a Euro. I mean, everyone's saying other people had Euros now. Like, it's funny. Everyone just handed over to Manu Ginobili when he was playing, but now everyone is checking the fouls. Everyone's kept the receipts, and now we're passing it back. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're passing it back further and further and further. But anyway, Elgin Baylor, at one point in time, let me see, I wrote down some numbers here because some of the numbers, and some of these numbers have come into question, and by a blue check boy, 31, 15, and 4 over a six-year stretch. 31, 15, and 4. That's 15 boards, not 15 assists. 31, 15, and 4 over a six-year stretch. And that's as a guard. (laughs) And B's getting the MVP for those numbers. But, as always, you know, and obviously stories are coming out now about how, you know, he's basically the reason why the Lakers are able to move from Minneapolis to L.A. The team was going to go bankrupt, but because of the fact that they got a bona fide star in Elgin Baylor and he was able to be a, a revenue producer, that was able to get the team out of dire financial straits and they were able to move to L.A. So, Elgin, during the era he was in, some would say... And by some, I mean Bill Simmons, that that was a bad era of basketball. That was a very stat hungry, stat filling, empty stat era. He has chastised many a player, Wilt Chamberlain amongst them, Elgin Baylor, Big O even. Funny how he hasn't really chastised any Celtics though, but Lakers, Wilt, Big O. Kareem with the Bucks, he chastises that whole era for the fact that it was an empty stat era. The league was stretched thin because of the formation of the ABA later in that era. But, you know, it's 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 funny how that works, right? He kills everyone except the Celtics because in his eyes, the Celtics can do no wrong because he's a fan. And we know what happens when you're a fan. It's fandom. And we know what fandom is. Fandom is a what? Right. So he chastises... Elgin Baylor's stats. But when you look at some of the playoff runs, now he never got a chip. I think we've come to say that there's certain players where it's like, who's the greatest player ever to not win a chip? And you got Barkley in there, Malone, Ewing, you know, guys of that ilk. Elgin, though, he could have had a ring in 72, but he retired early in that season. That was that Wilt Laker ring. The Celtics beat Elgin and the Lakers seven times in the finals. Seven. Seven times in the finals. I mean, that's just... How pissed does he have to be looking at Bill Russell? As much as people look at the whole Wilt Russell thing, Russell versus Chamberlain thing, imagine Elgin looking at Russell. I lost to this man seven goddamn times. I ain't get a ring because of that one man. 
I mean, yes, he had like four of the Hall of Famers with him, but essentially that man, I'll be fucking fuming every time I see Bill Russell go up there and every time I see that goddamn picture of Russell cradling all the goddamn rings, like I would be so, I'm like, dog, at least half of those are mine. At least half. Half. Nah, dog. Nah, dog. I would be, I would be furious. I would never, I would never want to be in the same room as Bill Russell if I was Elgin. If I was Elgin, I would not want to be in the same room. Did you know Elgin Baylor has something in common with KCP? And this is why you come to this podcast. What, what I'm about to break down to you is why you come to this podcast. Did you know Elgin Baylor and Kentavious Caldwell Pope have something in common? Elgin Baylor went on leave. Army Reserves could only hoop on weekends, just like KCP when he was under house arrest. <laughs> where else are you going to get that information where else are you going to get that that I can break down Elgin Baylor's career give you all the numbers give you all the stats I can tell you that you know he, he had 38, 19 and 5 while hooping on weekends because he was on army reserves so during the week he reported to the base on weekends he hooped for the lake show 38, 19 and 5 Meanwhile, maybe about 50 some odd years later, <laughs> KCP is hooping with a house arrest bracelet on at Staples. I mean, you can't make this shit up. You can't make this shit up. And that's why you listen to this podcast. Hey, if you listen, if you listen real quick, hey, wait, 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 listen. I know I'm in a hotel room in Indianapolis and the acoustics aren't the same, but just just listen for a little bit. You hear that? You heard it, right? It's Steve Kerr still copping please for that podcast he did. <laughs> Man's been doing a whirlwind tour copping please for some clear remarks he made on a podcast. I mean, I haven't seen no shit like this in a long time. I've never seen the coaches openly lie like this. Like, are we not going to kill Kerr for this? And meanwhile, why isn't James Weissman starting? Fuck all the stuff about KD and was last year the easier year than KD left? Forget all that. Why isn't the number two overall pick starting on a team that's bad on defense? If Draymond's the greatest defensive player ever, none of that can rub off on Weissman? Pause. Like, is that really what's going on here? Like, Steve Kerr has been horrible with James Weissman, and he's putting out the smoke screen of this whole thing of whether he enjoyed last year compared to the year before. When he has the number two overall pick, allegedly they lied to LaMelo. They take Weissman. They start him for a little bit. They get frustrated. They bench him. And now they're running out here with Kevion Looney at center. Like what? Are you serious? Is this, is this what we're doing? Oof. Yeah, but if, if you listen real, if you listen real, real close, take a second. Take it in. Pause. Yeah, yeah, I heard it. He's still, he's still out there. He's still out there copping police. You know what it is. Appreciate y'all for listening live and direct from a uh, Indianapolis, Indiana hotel room, night four of 17, I believe. Good times. If anything crazy goes down with the trade deadline, I'll hop on here again probably tomorrow. So I'll do something tonight. 
may get dropped tomorrow if anything crazy happens at the deadline anything significant if there's a bunch of whack trades i'm not i mean look i think the kings and pistons already did a trade nobody gives a fuck uh but i will say this you seen halliburton though right halliburton's still out here cooking Nick's tape you see halliburton out there cooking i mean but again obi obi was at all-star weekend for a slam dunk and came in third but I mean, yo, I mean, how come there was no pep rally after that? There was no pep rally for Obi for finishing third in the slam dunk? I ain't seen no pep rally at the Mecca for that. Uh, all right, whatever. Appreciate y'all for listening. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Really trying to do some stuff with that. Get ready. Season two of Trash Narratives soon come. If you haven't already, subscribe to the YouTube channel, The Sam D. The link is in the podcast description, as well as anything else related with me and this podcast. Maybe y'all hear from me tomorrow, but definitely some bonus content. I That is overdue. That is my bad. But as I've told y'all, it's a lot of things going on here, but we will get that done. Refresh those feeds. I'm sure you get, you get the notifications. The Cindy Podcast. I'm out.